full and empty, all at the same time. That's a symptom of not having room for life, of not having white space, of not having margin. And we're in the middle of our series, Margin, Making Room for Life, and we're talking about those kinds of ideas, the ideas that we run way too fast, don't seem to be able to catch our breath, live with a stress level that's just not necessary. And Christ offers us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Yet those of us who have said yes to Christ find that that seems to be a little evasive, seems to be always out of hand's reach to live a life where there's margin and there actually is rest. Our working definition for margin during this series is this, margin is space between my load and my limits. So my load, my calendar, and how much extra wiggle room I have. My finances, am I right up to my eyeballs, or do I have a little bit of margin so if something unexpected happens in my life, it doesn't like knock all the wind out of my sails? In my relationships, do I have margin to actually invest and know people and not just skim along the surface of things? This is the idea of margin. Now, many of us are familiar, some of us are familiar with the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus coming to their house for dinner and how that all unfolds. And we're going to see that uh, there was margin missing all over the place, but we can get some lessons for how to, uh, in a sense, um, uh, come to terms with that. Uh, sometimes it's presented that uh, Mary is the spiritual one because she's calm and at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is not because she's just going to make things happen. But I don't know about you, someone does need to cook dinner. Uh, you can't just call in dominoes uh, all the time. So, so there's some tension there. So we'll talk about that and unpack that. Now, I, I just want to tell you a little story, and you'll see how it's related uh, in a few moments. But uh, back, I was going to say a few years ago, now we're going to be like decades. When I was 12, <laughs> before that, you know, my exposure to uh, church potluck dinners were excellent. You know, you go to dinner. And, uh, you know, I kind of had a pride thing that um, I could eat just as much as I want until they ran out. And it would be great. You know, you just keep going back and back and back and you find that favorite thing and you just eat it and eat it and eat it. And that was kind of my experience. When I was 12, my eyes were open to a whole new world. We were traveling to Pennsylvania to see my Aunt Pat and Uncle Ron. And uh, we were on our way, and we lived in the days where when we stopped, we only stopped for bathroom and gas. Not even a little drink. I mean, not even a Pepsi. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We brought everything along with us. But this one time, my mother wanted to stop at this restaurant in Pennsylvania. And we stopped, and again, I was 12 years old, and we got out of the car, and this was very unusual, and uh, we got to the door, and uh, it got inside, and all of a sudden, I realized or I heard of this thing I'd never known before. It was called All-You-Can-Eat Buffet. I was like in heaven. And now those places, they don't run out of food. You just keep going and going and going. You know, at the church potluck dinners, the church potluck dinner surrenders, but not at those all-you-can-eat. And I just ate and ate and ate and ate, and I can remember... Finally, I had to stop. I can remember going out to the car 
And my mother goes, you look like you're going to be sick. I go, I can't move. And I had to take the belt, my belt off. And I'm like, can we just stand around for a little while? I was trying to like shake the food. I, I was just so uncomfortable. I was in heaven, but also very uncomfortable at that food pantry. You know, and it looked like something like these do. And it just was, it was just, you know, never, never ending. Well, now, as I've gotten a little bit better at uh, all-you-can-eat buffets, I've also learned that there's a strategic uh, direction when you go. And the strategic direction is this, is you skip all the bread, skip the salad, skip the vegetables, and go for, like, the, the beef and the chicken. And uh, Now, I will, eat a, I will eat some bread if they've got, like, cheese and meat in the bread, like, baked in there, you know, or some kind of macaroni and cheese with all this kind of... But I, I try to stay away from everything that I get at home. I never would eat a salad. I would, ne- you know, stay away from the vegetables and just go for the good stuff. And never, ever, ever fall for the trick of getting the soup. Sometimes they have like four kinds of soup. That's all designed to fill you up so you don't get the good stuff. You need to hold out and really be strategic with your eating. You need to get the good portions. Uh, Not the good portions. You need to get the better portions, not just the good portions. So in just a few minutes, we'll see how that fits with uh, our uh, uh, lesson or our story this morning. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Uh, You can follow on with verses on the screen. Uh, you can also use one of those uh, rack Bibles, and if you don't have a paper uh, copy of God's Word, we'd love you to have that. Take that as a gift, and that's going to be at page 725. We also have version, and uh, what's great about that is it's a free app. Strongly, strongly encourage you to have that. Uh, there's all kinds of tools with that, and then you have your Bible anytime, uh, wherever your phone is and wherever your um, iPad is or, or your tablet, and that's, uh, that's just a great, a great thing. So, all right, let's start in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as we see this, just few verses, just the story unfold and what happens. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So I must know the backstory, Mary, Martha, and eventually we'll hear about Lazarus. Uh, these become uh, just uh, Jesus' really close friends. And so she opens her home. That's the idea. I'm going to feed you. We're going to have dinner. And then we read on. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Uh, This all makes sense. Uh, Again, you got to think about Mary. Uh, Mary's there, and uh, Mary, you know, just uh, wants to experience Jesus and experience the Son of God, and so she's there. But Martha, on the other hand, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Now, for those of us who know the rest of the story, we know what happens next. But if we didn't know the rest of the story, I would have said, yeah, Mary, get your, you know, get out there, right? Get out there and and start helping your sister. What's going on here? And uh, we would think that would be the natural thing. Why should Martha be out there slaving in the kitchen, bang, 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 you know? I'm sure the pans were getting louder as she's going, where is Mary, where is Mary? And then eventually she, she goes out there. Another thing, you know, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. This was a posture of learning, and uh, this was also very unusual in this time because usually the women were out preparing the meal. They weren't in there with the men. 
And uh, Mary was taking this opportunity. Jesus was giving this opportunity. Uh, Jesus breaks through those cultural barriers that really don't make sense. And some of them are totally unjust. So it's interesting, you know, when you think about Jesus' life and you think about the way he interacts with uh, people, and this is a bonus, uh, when there are situations coming up, I'm not going to digress too much, into today's world, and you don't see him speaking against or speaking for back then, I kind of think uh, he, he would have if he thought it was bad back then because there were basically no subjects that were out of bounds for him. So when there was a subject, when there was an idea, if he thought it was off, he, he would push through it. So here we see him uh, pushing through this area, and Mary is at his feet, and he's, he's fine with it. Here's response, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Now when I hear Martha, Martha, what do I think of? Brady Bunch? And I think of Marsha, 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 you know, and that's a negative thing. But in this case, when the Lord says Martha, Martha, it's actually a term of endearment. He's not getting on his case. He's not being harsh with her. He's saying, another translation we'll read in a little bit, says, Martha, my beloved Martha. He cares for Martha, and we miss a little bit of that in here. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken from her. So as we read this story, uh, so we're going to see that there's some things this doesn't mean, or we, we emphasize too much. But the, the word I want you to focus in on is this idea of better. Better. And uh, this is a tough word for us, because we've got a lot of good things. We've got a lot of good things at the buffet of life. And when it comes to our life in margin and our spiritual life, we need to try to focus in on what is better and not just settle for what is good. And uh, Martha's going to learn this lesson. Uh, Mary is going to be reminded of this lesson. But so, so what, what is this story about? This, this is not about a couple things. Uh, first of all, it's not about a type A person versus a type B person. Sometimes we, you know, make it, you know, Martha's the type A, she's driven, she gets things done, she's, you know, too much, you know, doing, doing, doing. And there, there's Mary, the reflective Mary, the spiritual Mary, the one that would never say to Martha, I'm so much more spiritual than you. She may think it, but she doesn't say that. And you've got, you get this conflict between these two. We're going to find out is it's not about that. Really, uh, we need the heart of Mary in the actions of Martha. We need combination going on there. And, uh, you know, so this is not about drawing out between two types of personality. It's also not about being versus doing. Uh, you know, I've spoken on this kind of thing before. You know, we've got to be first and then do. And sometimes uh, we can get into doing so much that we're not being. Uh, there's this idea that our doing, our actions need to come out of who we are. It needs to be expression of our heart and our soul. And so this being, uh, you know, uh, is the catalyst for our doing. And some of us who are type A kind of people can emphasize doing, 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 and really not be uh, living out of our growing faith with Christ. It's just we're doing, something's got to get done, we've got to do it, and, and we're not thinking that. And then also on the other side, the, the person that's all into being, you know, you know sometimes uh, 
you know, something's going on and, and uh, you know, they, they want to be very reflective of it. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes they just need to get in and do it, you know, uh, you know, you know, dropping something, you don't go, oh, let me uh, stop and pray about that if I should help you. No, you just jump in there and you help. There's, so there's a balance here. But again, this story, uh, sometimes we overplay it as type A versus type B, Martha versus Mary, uh, being versus doing. So, so, so what, is, what is this story about? What, what is Jesus trying to draw out? What's trying to Jesus teach is just a life story. And why does Dr. Luke, who um, recorded this, why does he include this uh, story so that we can learn from it and understand? I think this is the reason. We are to know the difference between good and better. We are to know the difference between good and better. There's a lot of good activities, good action, good stuff, and we get so tied up in the good that we miss out on the better. And then when you put on top of that the fact that we live in the United States of America and we have it pretty good compared to the majority world, we, we have a lot of good things so it's easy to not see where the best, the better actions are. And this is really sad about Martha, uh, in a sense. Martha creates the opportunity. She invites Jesus to the home, but then she misses out on the opportunity as she doesn't choose the better. Isn't that ironic? She, she gets the whole thing in motion. Jesus is coming to our house. Oh, this is wonderful. Jesus is going to eat at our house. Oh, this is wonderful. And Martha's not getting to spend any time with Jesus. Now, one of my pet peeves, I have a few, one of my pet peeves or one of my points of interest when Cindy and I are driving through the countryside and we see these picturesque scenes with two Adirondack chairs sitting out there, we never see anybody in them. So someone bought them. Someone made them, someone put them on a porch, but nobody ever, ever is sitting in them. Someone made the opportunity. It looks really like you look at it and go, oh, isn't that nice? Wouldn't it be nice to sit in that chair and just kind of look? And uh, But there's no one in there. In a sense, that's what Martha is doing. She's got the chair, and she doesn't get to enjoy the chair. Sometimes you and I in our life could do the same thing. Uh, we work really hard. We want to establish a nice home. We want to have nice things. We want it to be a certain way. And we're so busy at doing that, we never get to enjoy what we've created, what has been given to us, the opportunity. We, we in a sense, are used to create this opportunity, but we miss the opportunity. Had to learn that as a parent. Can't wait to have kids. Finally, we had kids. Eight years later, we're having twins. Woo-hoo, twins, ah, you know, and all of that. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, I let life be so busy that I wasn't enjoying the opportunity that was created. I was missing out on it. It doesn't mean I should retire and not work, but there was no balance, and we got into it a little bit, and I'll tell you something a little bit later, but uh, as we got into it, then one of my jobs was every night I was home, and sorry guys, I'm going to put some heat on you, every night I was home, I always put the kids down for bed. Did their Bible study, prayed with them, that was always my job. If I was home, that's what I did. But I was only home every two weeks. No, just kidding. I was... <laughs> yeah, that's great, Dave. Make this story up. Cindy's not here, so she can't tell the truth, so... 
She's usually watching online after she's been here for the first service, so hey, hon. But anyway, so, you know, this, this idea of, you know, we create this opportunity, whatever it is. We work at this business. We create this thing. It's an opportunity that we don't get to enjoy it. Uh, we create these moments. Um, you plan the vacation, and then when you're on the vacation, you're so into all the details that you don't enjoy the vacation. You're about getting from here. I <clears throat> had to learn because we did a lot of driving to Florida and that when Cindy's parents lived down there, you know, that it wasn't just the destination, it was the journey. And even my parents, when they, we lived in Portland and they lived in Massachusetts, about two and a half hours away, um, and we would pack the kids up and head down there and couldn't wait and couldn't wait to get there. And all of a sudden, one day it dawned on me, this is the greatest part about the trip. The kids are asleep in the car. Cindy and I are holding hands, making googly eyes at each other when I'm on the road. Ooh, love you, you know. And, and the kids are like not bugging us. We're not at my parents' house, and we got to be talking to my parents. Sorry, Dad. Yeah, da, 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 da. You know, that was the, that, so the journey was awesome. When we got there, it was awesome too, but that journey, I started to like that. I started to like when we drive to Florida, and at 2.30 in the morning, because we would drive straight through, we'd have this really great conversation. If we, it, it wouldn't have happened if we weren't having all this time together. So, again, journey, being, doing, uh, destination, creating these opportunities, actually enjoying them. Different translation says it this way, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister, she said that sister, just sits there while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. Absolutely makes sense, doesn't it? The Lord answered Martha, they, Martha, and here's the translation that includes that nuance of beloved. Martha, my beloved, Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these distractions? Now, one of the reasons I shared that little all-you-can-eat buffet kind of thing is because some of the words, some of the descriptions that Jesus used have a twist on them. If we had the original languages, they have a hint of meals, so, for example, the idea that she was upset, that upset and troubled is the same words that they would have used for a soured stomach, which is kind of interesting. We're doing this meal, and Martha's creating this meal, and her stomach is upset. She's, she's out of sorts. And uh, the, the, more, the more important one uh, is, in, is in the next is, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chose what is better. That word better has a meal idea. It's the idea of portion. Choose the best portion. Choose the meat. Stay away from the bread on the food buffet. Main course. Enjoy it, and it will not be taken away from you. Better equals the good portion of the meal. And like I've told you about, Cindy makes that uh, chicken divine stuff with the sour cream and cheese and the rice and the broccoli. And I have to admit, a lot of times when I'm really just wanting to enjoy it and not be healthy, kind of like put one token broccoli piece, like a flower arrangement on the top, and it's just a little rice, and it's all that, 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 that goodness, that sour cream and that cheese, because I'm choosing the portion of the meal. Likewise, you and I, as we look at life and we start to figure out what is better, start letting the better bubble up to the top of life and let not be distracted by the good, that is what Jesus is getting at. And, uh, you know, the idea of doing that and understanding that. So, you know, what's hard, though, is, again, this whole good versus better is, is hard because it's not like evil versus better, right? It's not like this is really bad, 
do this, and this is really good, this is better, do this, what's your choice? It's like, you know, this morning, uh, hopefully, you know, when you were thinking about coming to church, it wasn't like, do I go rob a bank, or do I go to church? You know, the choice. You guys are thinking about this a little too much, okay? So, you know, you know you're not supposed to go rob the bank, okay? So, I, you know, those kinds of choices, pretty easy. You know, do I do something wrong, or do I do something right? Good versus better is harder. It's hard to pull out the better. We have to be a little more reflective if we're going to, like Mary, but then have the actions of Martha. And so if you and I are going to do that, we have to be very discerning. Uh, Jesus talks about this around the time he was feeding thousands of people. He says, don't waste your energy striving for the perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides, he and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. He's not talking about food, food. He's talking about spiritual food. Get the food that is better, the food that lasts, the food that fills your soul, the food that sticks with you. So as you go through life, You're being powered by that kind of food, and then that kind of food, that kind of sustenance helps you discern what's better than the good, and you pick the prime portions rather than just the good filler portions. Now, how do we choose what is better? What what happens in our hearts? What are we doing when we're choosing better? One of the first things we need to realize is that uh, choices are exclusionary. When I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. We just have to understand that. Some of us try to keep all our options open for so long, we totally miss out. We miss out on the opportunity. Another Greek concept of opportunity, and we're going to see the word opportunity in another passage, is this idea that a bird lands like on this table... And that's your opportunity, and you only have a few seconds to grab it. If you don't take the opportunity, it just flies off, and you miss out on the bird. That's what you wanted. So, so this idea that choices are exclusionary. I remember when I was nearing my 40s, maybe in my early 40s, just around 40, um, I had thought all along, I thought whether I wanted to be like a chaplain in one of the armed services. And so I knew that 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 date, that cross, that checkoff was coming up. When you're 45, no chance of it. When you're 40, you can still get in. And so I met with a recruiter and talked with him and just to see what that was going to be like, chose not to do that. But I knew that that choice was going to go off the option list. And there are choices that go off the option list. And uh, some of that is, is okay. Some of that kind of breaks our heart a little bit. But understanding that choices are, if I go down this path, I won't be able to go down this path. If I say yes to this, I'm saying no to that. If I say no to this, maybe I'm saying yes to something else. When I say yes to one thing, I'm saying no to everything else. So again, that's why you want to look at the options, look at the portions set, set before you, the buffet of life, and choose what's better rather than just what's good. Again, I don't have to convince you not to choose what's not good, but what's better. Also, moments are always charged with opportunity. I was told that this didn't come up on your screens, those watching online, so I'll read it again. Moments are always charged with opportunity. 
Even your worst moments have some good opportunities in there. Something good can come out of it. Not immediately, but something good. We could look at Romans 8, 28, and it speaks to that a little bit. But moments are always charged with opportunity. So whatever's happening, there, there, are, these, there are these opportunities we need to be, need to be mindful of. Uh, Ephesians 5, 10, 5, 10, and then 15 through 17 says, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. This to me is like eating the fillers at a food, at a food bar thing. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every opportunity. Uh, in that translation, it was every time, but it's really the idea of opportunity. You get these are desperate times, Time is short. Don't live carelessly, unthinking. Make sure you understand what the master wants. I like how that's bookended. Understand to please God what the master wants. Basically, same idea said differently. So looking at life, using life well, look for those opportunities and use them well. Now, when you and I look at time, uh, you know, we basically look at time chronologically. We look at it tick, 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 tick. Uh, some of us, uh, you know, who before the, back in the bad old days where you actually had minutes on your cell phones and you had a watch so you didn't use up all your minutes, you were very conscious almost more of the minutes than your conversation. So I might be talking on the phone going, this is taking a lot of minutes, uh, I need to get off quick, and you're just going tick, 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 you're watching. Now you do the same with data, right? Now the data gets limited, you go, let's stop downloading, let's shut everyone's phone down if you've got a family plan. It's a big crisis, but uh, again, this idea of understanding time uh, understanding it chronologically. And so time, chronos, is measured and counted. That's one word for time in the Greek. And then there's this other word, which is this. Time, uh, now I'm not going to be able to say it, keros, is lived and experienced. So it's still, when you see the word time, it can be one or two of these definitions. So when we're looking at time, and more in Jesus' day, biblical times, time was looked at lived and experienced. Uh, and not in our world, it's tick, 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 tick. Uh, that's why sometimes if you go to a foreign country and you have an appointment at 10 o'clock, they can be an hour late because they measure time by lived in experience. So if they're having an experience, they're going to let it play out. They're not going to end it. They're not going to be a slave to the clock. They're more in tune with the moment. And, uh, you know, I like that on paper. I don't like that in reality. I like if you say, if I say I'm going to say that, be there at 11, I'll be there at 11. I'm going to you know, shut down my experience, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, when it comes to this, really, we need to be experiencing life. I know when I used to put the kids to bed, that uh, especially on Tuesday nights when there was JAG, way back in the dark ages, there was this TV JAG, and I would watch it, and it was time to put the kids on. It was getting close to 8 o'clock, and I'd be like running up, and I'd give them the Noah story, which was favorite. They were very giving. I could do this. Let's talk about Noah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know the animals going, they like that. And then I talk about the rain, God shutting the door, and I shut the door to the closet or the whatever, and boom, and they're like that, and then the rain coming down, you know, like tickle their tummies, it's the rain coming down, and out I go, but I would be like, boom, 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 because I wanted to get down and watch the TV show. Now, eventually, we figured out how to record it, and then that wasn't such a concern, but I still, I had to switch modes, and I had to say, this isn't time as in measured and counted, this is time as lived and experienced, and that, again, plays into the whole idea with, um, you know, with uh, Jesus and Mary and Martha. You know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's experience what is going on. 
And uh, that experience idea of time is what you read in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Most of us are familiar with this idea. There is a time for everything, a season for everything under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, and it goes on. And it's this whole idea of seasons. It's not less the the tick, 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 tick time. It's, It's the seasons of life. So when you and I are thinking about the buffet that is set before us, the portions are out there. Jesus wants us to figure out, to learn how to choose the better portions so that we have margin in our life and not get caught up with all the good ones. Now, you may say, well, so Dave, how do you do that? And I said, I, I wish I could say, here are these three steps. You do this, do this, do this, and then you'll know what's better versus good. But the one step I can give you is that you need to spend more time with God. No other way to do it. No other way. Because when you don't do that, you find that when we embrace the better, that's great, but we won't embrace, or that's great because then we won't embrace the busy or the good. So when you and I learn how to embrace the better, it kind of like minimizes the good. But again, the only way you and I are going to get a handle on that is by spending time with God. It's not just a Sunday morning, even though they're very awesome. It's not just a Sunday morning. It's just not a little bit on one day a week catching something on the radio or whatever. You and I have to spend time with God. Uh, Those of us who have dated... Remember those days, the way you won over the person that you were so in love with is you spent time with them, and then you got to know them, and now you started to know them. You couldn't take any shortcuts no matter how much you tried. And actually, in those days, you didn't try. You loved. I, I mean, I even went to, I went to plays with Cindy just so I could sit and hold her hand. I'm like, oh, I cannot stand this play. If I get to hold Cindy's hand, I can't. Now I'm... We're not going to plays, okay? But uh, anyway, but back in the day, back in the day, I would go to a play. But So this idea of spending time with him. I love this verse out of Isaiah. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's speaking of a person that leans into their faith, that says yes to Jesus, but spends time with him frequently. I'm going to say daily. I'm going to say in the morning. And if the morning's not the best time, spend some other time. But whenever, spend time with him. And just don't check it off your list. It's just not like putting the kids to bed. I got to get this done and tick, 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 get to get it done. Okay, you know, the rain came down. All right, I'm down to watch Jag and we want to do what I really want to do. That's not what we're talking about here. It's actually spending time, enjoying the moment. I love the facts that version gives all kinds of reading options. I'd encourage you Download the app. They've got all kinds. If you want to do a subject on whatever, it's there. And then they will give you a reading program. They'll help remind you. If you're not into computers, not into that stuff, please stop and see me. I'll, I'll get you something. We can talk about it, see what would be good for you. But all of us who have said to yes to Christ, if we're going to have margin in the life, if you're going to choose what's better over just the good, you're going to have to spend time with God regularly. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this, this story that Dr. Luke included uh, in his gospel. We're thankful for the way it inspires us. It opens our eyes to what is better. And Father, we thank you for all the goodness on our buffet, if you will. There's lots of good options. But Lord, we want to learn how to maximize the better options so that there's more margin in our life, not less. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to embrace what is better so busyness doesn't embrace and control us. And if there's someone here who has not said yes to you, I pray even in this moment, as, as they're aware of just you speaking to their heart, they would say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Uh, I trust uh, your work on the cross, your resurrection. I want you in my life. I'm going to try to follow you the best I know how. And then they can leave this place having the tools, having the relationship that helps us choose better over good. So I thank you for this story. Short, but I thank you for the way it speaks to our hearts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, want to thank